I discovered Alice Miller. I discovered DSM-5 and mental disorders and personality disorders, dysfunctional families, toxicity, gaslighting, scapegoating, triangulization, you know, narcissistic abuse, borderline. And oh, it was textbook of what I just went through my entire life. I mean, textbook. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 122. It is actually a beautiful day here where I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm so grateful. We are in the 50s today, which is rare. I feel like it's finally spring. I have been boiling sap for weeks. I don't know if anyone else has maple trees and they're collecting sap, but I will be bottling maple syrup here any day now, and it is a process. I am <laughs> looking forward to being done boiling sap. Okay, but I wanted to share an article before we get started today. Let me open this up. It is from Severance Magazine. Severance on the aftermath of separation. Uh, this is edited by BK Jackson. Um, she's an amazing editor. This is a great resource if you are an NPE, adoptee, donor conceived individual, anyone that has experienced a DNA surprise or some form of misattributed parentage experience. This essay uh, is called To Pimp an Adopted Butterfly. I'm not going to read the essay to you, but take a look at it. It is written by Matthew Charles, and he is a transracial adoptee raised by a white family. Um, he He's black, and he was adopted by his twin brother in a mostly white community. And he talks about what it, his experience was like being raised as a transracial adoptee in a white community. Wanted to put a shout out to this amazing essay. He, is, he also has a podcast. Matthew Charles is the host of Little Did You Know. Um, and that is a podcast I believe you can find on all the podcasting platforms. So thank you to him for writing this essay to Pimp an Adopted Butterfly, and also to Severance Magazine, who always has great Q&As, essays, and articles for our little community. And today, we will be listening to an NPE story, and today I am speaking with Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. You are also a Midwesterner, but I think you still have snow, right? We had a little snow on Friday. It's actually 50s today, so hopefully spring will be coming soon. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely from the Midwest, Chicago. I'm I'm done with winter. Why? Uh, we're, in, we're in April and we're still getting snow. Yeah, I know. I know. It makes you stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're used to it. We can handle it. We are. <laughs> 
All right, Miss Cindy, we are calling this episode Cindy O's Story. You're, I'm talking to you. You're in the Chicago area. You're, yeah. We're in the same time zone. And today we're going to listen to you share your story. So why don't you go ahead, sh- um, start with your family of origin or ho- wherever you want to start. Okay. No, I'll start with the family of origin. So I was born in 1967 in Chicago. I am the youngest of six. I have four brothers and one sister. The age difference is quite a bit. Um, first one's like 13, 11 years. I had twin brothers, nine years. And then my sister, who's my closest in age, is seven years apart. So mom was 34 when I was born. And um, BCF, birth certificate father, was 36. Grew up in pretty much a typical working class Irish neighborhood. Um Worked a lot. My mom worked a lot, excuse me. Um, she worked, uh, her hours were from like 6.30 in the morning till 5.30. So my whole life, she worked for about 45 years at the same place. She was gone a lot. Um, I did not grow up with anybody in my paternal family. BCF's parents, unfortunately, were killed in a drunk driver accident in 1961. So I never met them and had no contact, obviously. Um, He had two sisters and I never met one of those sisters. I only met one. And from her, I had two cousins. So I primarily grew up with my maternal side. Uh, There were 19 of us first cousins. I looked like absolutely no one. So did not look like uh, the cousins, did not look like the siblings, completely different body type, eye color, hair color, um, personality-wise, completely different. And knew I was pretty early on that there was something going on here. It was in the early years, I would say from about six years old, uh, it was tough. It was pretty chaotic in the house. There were a lot of people there. Um, it was dysfunctional, neglectful, abuse, but there was also a lot of, lot of joy, uh, and fun. And the neighborhood I grew up with in, excuse me, was absolutely fantastic. It really actually saved my life. Um, I had friends that I've been friends with since I was five years old. They were like second family to me. I would go there. I'd live there pretty much, uh, in one particular family's house. Uh, I was there all the time. And their father, actually, I connected with him and he was an incredible influence on my life. And, um, you know, without him, life would have been a lot different. So I got a lot of love from them. My mom was, you know, uh, my mom, I was like the golden child for my mom. I always thought it was because I was the baby. Uh, her last chance baby or her last chance child, maybe to get it right. Um, but now I know that's probably not the case. So BCF, I lived with him until about six. They then uh, separated. They didn't get a divorce. They separated and he left the home. So um, I had somewhat contact with him. I had no re- regular visitation. Everybody else was older. Uh, so from about six to about 10 or 11, I saw him a handful of times. Um, I saw him on family events, but I did not see him alone other than about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 10 times in those five, six years. 
about 11 years old. Uh, he, I was with him and he was horrific and abusive. Like he was my whole life to me. And, um, from that point on from 11, I, um, never went with him again alone. Anyway, from six, when he left at six, um, my siblings then started leaving the house. You know, they got married or moved out and, I, it seemed like at that point that I was pretty much raised like an only child from a single mother. Um, he never paid a dime for me. Uh, he never paid child supports. He never gave me any gifts. He, it's hard to articulate, but, uh, the best way I think I can say it is he just hated me. And it was like that my whole life. Um, and it actually got a lot worse as I got older. So from probably from six to uh, up until six, he was not that bad. It wasn't like he was loving um, or kind, but he wasn't as bad as he then becomes uh, later in my life. So, but it wasn't like a warm, fuzzy household. Neither one of my, neither one of these people grew up like that. So they just struggled uh, to be parents, you know, and there were a lot of kids and they were uh struggling financially a lot. So, um, and it was the seventies, so it was different, but like I said, um, with the village, uh, raising kids, that is so true because I had a lot of support and my mom showed me, my mom was the best mom to me. I, I recognized that. I realized that, um, she tried to be more loving and, and, and affectionate towards me than any of them. And, um, actually, shared her life with me more than she ever shared with them. I knew details about how she grew up, what she went through. And, um, you know, after her passing, I, I, I realized how much more I knew, uh, about her than my other siblings did. So about, um, so, um, so he's gone. Birth certificate father's gone. He's, you know, like I said, not that great, but Unfortunately, he comes back into my life and my mom's life in 1984. Um, so from 74 to 84, he was completely gone out of the house. In 84, he had a stroke and um, he was with a woman and she left him and my mother took him back. They were never officially divorced. So she took him back in 84. And so he then comes back in the house. And at this point, I'm 16. I have never really lived with him other than the first five or six years. And it's um, difficult to say the least. Finished school, high school. You know, I only had a couple more years after that that he came in and tried to do my best I could with him. And, but there was always just something there. I never bonded with this man. Um, um, he, like I said, he just seemed like, he hated me my entire life. So now I realize he was, you know, blaming me for what happened. And, um, instead of the actual people who, who did, who did these things to, to, uh, to have mm -hmm. this occur. So mm -hmm. anyway, so he moves back in. Um, I get out, uh, I think, uh, two, three weeks after I turned 18, I move out and I go to college out of state. And so I'm gone. I did that for about two years. I came back to Chicago and I went to a college here in Chicago and I lived at home. So I commuted. So at that point I started to live with him again. 
So that was about four or five years, about four years that I lived with him again. And this is when now the aggression really starts towards me. And I'm just not sure what is going on, but I know that our relationship is almost non-existent other than either ignoring me like I didn't exist or um, exploding on me uh, with narcissistic rage and, and verbal, mental, emotional abuse. The man, unfortunately for me, never stops until he dies. So he just says, does these terrible things to me my whole life. Everybody knows it and everybody actually is confused about it. Um, because they don't understand it and neither did I, I, I just never understood it. Was he this way to your other siblings? He, he was abusive towards them, Lily, but I, I had this, I was the scapegoat for him. So, um, he wasn't father of the year, but he also showed them more affection. Um, uh, he called them on their birthday, got him birthday gifts, did the, uh, cards. He, Never once did that for me, other than the, one of the last years he was alive. He gave me a birthday card, but what he sent in it was outrageous. So, um, but he was um, ab- abusive when they were younger, I think, but not as much. But he became more and more and more abusive as he gra- uh, got older. So, towards them, um, he would never win Father of the Year, but he was not like that. To them, particularly to my sister, they had a different relationship, which I did not realize until I was older. Like I said, they moved out. They weren't around as much. I didn't see that interaction when I was a child. So I just didn't know. I didn't realize it until I really got older. And then we're like, okay, there's definitely something going on. So, but everybody, like I said, even the friends that I grew up with, this this core that was so vital to me. you know, just a funny side note. It's not actually not funny, but in 1986, when we were, I was fully back coming in, and none of my friends knew this man. Uh, I, I, they knew I had a really hard, difficult relationship with him, but they could not believe what was going on. So Stephen King came out with a book. Uh, it, you know, and we actually just nicknamed him the Scary Monster, and that's what we call this man it forever because he was so horrific. I mean, he was so scary. He uh, would just rage and rage and, 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 and the most vile names. And I believe that actually at this point, this man is just throwing everything on me that he believes about my mother. So, um, but it doesn't help me because I actually, you know, I, I thought he was my father my whole life. So about, about that time when I came back, excuse me, to live at home and and finish school, uh, about 18, 19. I know I was older than 18, but I I don't think I was any older than 20. I went to my mom and I asked her, I said, there's, there's something here. There, what, what is going on here? There is something so wrong. I feel so unkilled, you know, unmoored here. And this, this behavior is just, you know, I was surrounded by dysfunctional families. I mean, it was just whatever. It, it was what it was. But this was another level of um, that I just was so confused about. I just didn't understand it. I said, there's something going on here to her. And Lily, she, she knew the truth. And she instead told me she had no idea what I was talking about, that uh, 
that she just did not a clue. She gaslit me. Um, and she said she would help me if I ever wanted to go to counseling. But at that point, I'm 18, 19 years old. Um, then is the time that she should have articulated that the man who acts like he hates you is not your father. But she didn't do that. So I, I wish she would have at that time. That would have been the, the ample time to tell me. But she chose not to. So you know, I move on in life. I uh, graduate from college. I start my career. I try to move on. I move out of that house. I never move back. I have very little interaction with him. He does live there. Like I said, my whole life, it was either he ignored my existence or um, I could have just said the sky was blue today and he would have just started screaming, you're a fucking bitch. And I mean, it was just like that all the time. (laughs) It was like, oh, Okay. So I know. So, but like I said, my siblings recognized this and they were confused as hell by it. They just didn't understand why this man was was so hateful to me. So anyway, so I, 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 I going to move into, and about, I remember in my thirties, it was, I was in my early thirties and he was horrific um, I was at mom's house. He was horrific. Uh, he flew into a complete narcissistic rage. It was one of the worst things I ever went through in my life. And I had it. I was done. It, not that I never came back at this man because I did, but all that energy, all that just horrificness my whole life, it was always just so hard to constantly, you know, uh, mentally fight with this man and, and, and stick up for myself and, figure out, you know, what the hell is going on. But that one I broke. So I'm in the house at my mom's and I tell her, excuse my language. There's no fucking way this man is my father. There is no way this monster, this horrific human being is my father. And I, and I, I didn't even pre-think about it. It just happened. And I, I, looking back at it, I was upset. I was, you know, getting into it with him. I turned to her. No way. There is no way. I'm in my thirties at this point. So this has been now going on for a long time. And she insists, she never says, Cindy, yes, this is your father. Instead, she insists, he loves you. He loves you. He tells me that all the time. He just loves you. And I just had it. And I said, he's never shown it to me in my entire life ever. He's never been kind. He's never been loving. He's never been affectionate. He's never been a decent human being to me in my entire life. So, and she insisted he was still my father. I said, okay. So at that point, I pretty much had nothing to do with them after that fight. I did not want to be around him. If I did go over and he was in the room, I would leave. I tried to have no contact with this man at all, but there were family events. There were, you know, I had a huge family and there were things that he was around, um, but I stayed away. And so- he had kind of just kept away from him uh, as best as I could and just just tried to figure out, just kind of accepted, okay, this guy is like this. I have no idea why. I'm not getting answers from her. You know, I think somebody said on your podcast that you just can't imagine your own parent lying to you your whole life. And I just couldn't imagine that because I asked her multiple times in my life. 
A big one was in 2011, my brother died. My oldest brother died from MRSA, and it was stunning. We were very upset. He was only 56 years old. Mm -hmm. So he passes away, and we're at mom's house, and everybody's there, aunts, cousins, uh, brothers, sister, everybody, uh, the whole, you know, the whole house is packed and we're um, planning his memorial and the funeral. And, and so it's close to him passing. It's within days. And my mom's sister, her youngest one, uh, who's 11 years younger than her in 2011, it was January says, said to me in front of everybody with the house was packed, said to me that they just got their ancestry DNA test done because her husband, who did pass away, uh, was adopted. So her and her four children went in ancestry, spit in the tube, and now are able to figure out where her, uh, where her you know, husband uh, came from and the adoption story. So she says to me in front of my mom, in front of everybody, um, Cindy, you should take that DNA test <clears throat> to see how Irish you are. And it's fascinating, and it would be great to see how Irish you are, Cindy. And I said, okay. You know, I I was like, oh, I mean, it sounds exciting. And yeah, I'd love to see how Irish I am. And, um, you know, so I respond to her. I said, oh, yeah, maybe. My mother, <clears throat> my mom, Lily, freaked out. <laughs> and looking back, uh, looking back, I know now why. But mm-hmm. at first, I, I was not sure but she freaked out more than I ever saw her ever freak out. She grabbed me. She started shaking. Um, and she ran downstairs, uh, the, you know, in a, the downstairs in the house and uh, started crying and getting really upset after my aunt said this and grabbed me and said, kept on saying, Cindy, Cindy, we can't do that DNA. John, you know, my brother, your, your brother just died. Your brother just died. We can't do that DNA. Cindy, I can't do that DNA. And I was like, Okay. I mean, how does this correlate from my brother dying into our DNA? Mm-hmm. But I was upset. My brother just died. I didn't really even, I was like, okay, she, that's weird. That response is weird. And I calmed her down. I said, okay, well, you don't have to do the DNA. You know, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to do it. I just said, okay, yeah, sounds interesting. You know, I love all that stuff. I I definitely want to know my family of, uh, you know, where it came from, especially with his parents, unfortunately, um, you know, dying so young, we didn't really have a connection to his side. So um, I was interested, but life is life. And I did not take that test in, in 2011. I just got on with my life. I, you know, we, uh, my brother's funeral happened, uh, life happened, uh, was just busy working all the time, you know, just living life. So I didn't, I didn't do the test. So 2013, my mother was diagnosed with uh, stage four colon cancer. So at that point, um, she was not given, uh, too long to live. Uh, they, you know, about a year at most year or two and it's stage four. And so I, I know this is pretty bad. I actually, she had some issues, you know, uh, she started chemo and then she had some issues for some reason, Lily, I had never even had it in my head, but I went to her house. I went downstairs. She got released from the hospital. She had uh, peas. She, we almost lost her and she was in the house and downstairs and birth certificate father was also down there. And he was 
he had C. diff at that point, which we didn't know. So he was sick. He was downstairs with her. We set up a, like a, a, a room down there to, for her to be very comfortable, but he was right there with her. And I went to her and I said, mom, listen, I need you to tell me uh, your, you have stage four colon cancer here. And this is, this is not good. I need to know if that man is my father or not. I need to know if that man is my father. And instead of being on your deathbed and telling your child the truth, my mother um, turned around and started saying, Cindy, stop, Cindy, stop, Cindy, stop. She never told me no, but she told me, Cindy, stop, Cindy, stop. And looking back at it, um, Lily, I didn't realize, I mean, it was, she when I see her face today, when in that conversation, she was just filled with shame. The shame was unbelievable. I could see it in her face now. I, I didn't recognize it then. I just thought, why is she saying, Cindy, stop, Cindy, stop? I want to know the truth. But I, I could not get it from her. She would not give it up. And, and, and part of me says, okay, I've asked her. I've only highlighted maybe four or five times, but I asked her multiple times in my life, especially when he was so horrific. And plus I had no bond with him. I, I had nothing in common with this man. Uh, I was completely different. I looked completely different. I just was flabbergasted, you know, now looking back that that, at that point, when you're dying, that you don't tell your own child this truth is, the shame just was, I, I, I just don't get it, but that's nothing I would do, but that's something she chose to do. So, so she dies, unfortunately, in, in 2014. She made it about seven months from diagnosis to death. So she was gone. And now, <clears throat> excuse me, I was stuck. We were stuck with him, which I have not had that much contact with and certainly did not want to be around him at all alone. So we were stuck with him and he was becoming very, very bad. Uh, 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 the narcissistic rage was just unbelievable. I mean, it was all the time. I asked him if he wanted a, a piece of pie, I think one time. I mean, and then he started, you know, screaming that I was a de- dirty, see you next Tuesday. I don't want to say the word, you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, Lily, it was just absolutely outrageous. This man, oh, calling me a, a you know, whore. I mean, I'm the last thing from that. I mean, everything that I believed he believed about my mother, he put on me. So I, 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 it's just outrageous. Oh. So at that point, um, oh, really quickly in 2000 and about 16. So about a couple of years, I about 15, 16, because I want no contact with him before he dies. So he tells me I'm at the house and I'm helping with family photos and I'm there by myself. And I was trying to help him with family photos and uh, the, uh, he won a bronze medal in, in the Korean War. So I was trying to figure this out for him and just trying to be kind. I know he was horrific. Uh, he's at the end stage. Just wanted to see who these people were in this family, if we can try to knock that down. And he says to me out of nowhere, you know, we really wish, uh, we really could have been friends this whole time. (laughs) And I'm thinking, friend, I mean, what? I I, I mean, it was insanity. I was like, uh, I mean, you, (laughs) I, I was just stunned. I was like, friends. And then he says, I'm really sorry if my sons ever hurt you. And I'm thinking, you're, you mean my brothers? What the hell? You know, it, but he, I, I wish I would have said something more, but I was like, okay, I, I have no idea what this man is 
but I know he wanted to tell me. I know he wanted to tell me I am not your father. I know he did. So he says this and I was like, okay, so flabbergasted that this man, this man sees this lifespan as warped as he does. Pretty much he aggresses on me within weeks or days or whatever. And I cut off on contact uh, really quickly though. He, he did change his will at right at the end. And I don't know if he did this to pull me in or if he knew I would do the right thing no matter what. Um, but he made me power of attorney and which was so crazy because I had multiple siblings. Um, it, it, it did made no sense, but they wanted to put him in a nursing home. And I was the only one, believe it or not. I, I, I can't believe I was like that. I was the only one that said, no, he dies at home. And uh, because that's what he wanted. So I think he's, they scared him. So he, he changed his will and made me power of attorney, believe it or not. A child that wasn't even his. It didn't matter because my sister was uh, there and I cut off all contact about a year before he died. I just couldn't do it no more. I, I couldn't go through it. So about that time too, I decided to see and try to get the language because I didn't have the words to see exactly what the hell I went through my whole life. So I start going and getting into... Uh, I discovered Alice Miller. I discovered DSM-5 and mental disorders and personality disorders, dysfunctional families, toxicity, gaslighting, scapegoating, triangulization, you know, narcissistic abuse, borderline. And oh, it was textbook of what I just went through my entire life. I mean, textbook. So now I had the verbiage. I, I, I knew what I was dealing with here. He was still alive. So, but I still knew, okay, now I can figure out what the hell did I go through? And fundamentally, how has this affected me as a human being? You know, uh, and how do I react to things? And how do I feel about myself? You know, it was always so hard to feel good when you had who you thought was your father hating you your whole life. It was like, I, I mean, I, I, just, I don't know, you know, so that was difficult. So I discover all this. And I'm pumped. I'm like, okay, now I have, now I have at least an avenue that I can figure out what's going on here. Because now at this point, I can now see it in the generation that's coming. So it's generational. I see all the things that I've seen in my childhood and now <clears throat> the next generation. And I was like, oh, I mean, it, the one thing I love with the millennials is that trigger word because, oh, oh, oh my gosh, seeing, what they were doing just triggers me and, and, and has triggered me for a, a while now because I can see my own self and what they're doing to these kids today. So not all of them, and, and, and they're not as bad, so they're trying to get better, but there is still this, you know, this dysfunction, you know, and, um, and this family group that is um, – that uh, really struggles uh, because of how they were raised, um, you know, with empathy, compassion, um, things like that. So anyway, so I get into that world. I'm starting to really figure it out. And I was like, oh, okay. I Then it's 2017, rolls around. And I he, the birth certificate father, actually dies in June of 2017. So he dies. And for me, uh, it was a relief in ways, you know, it's really hard to say that because you don't want to say that for a human being who passes away, but this abuser was so horrific that it was just a, like a relief. 
I mean, it was just a relief, you know, that I didn't have to deal with him anymore. So he, he passed away at home. So he did pass away at home in June. And I'm, I was going to turn 50 in uh, November of 2017. So in November of 2017, I have a 50th birthday party and I am telling my cousins at that point, a couple of them that this is the first birthday without the madman. And, um, what a gift that is that I don't have to deal with him anymore and what he's done to me. And that I begged my mom. I said, I begged my mom guys my whole life to tell me that man was not my father. And she just, she just insisted he was. So I, I, I articulate this though at my birthday, just a, a, a sentence or two, but I tell him cause he comes up and you know, I, it's my first birthday with no parents. So I tell them this and I could tell you my birthday wish now because I, my birthday wish at that point was I just need, I need peace. I need clarity and I need to feel, I, I need to figure out what exactly occurred here because I have been unmoored my entire life, particularly looking in the mirror. I have no mirroring. I don't have any, um, genetic connection at times. I felt like it was an alien. Like For example, my sister is a, a, a ginger. She's a redhead. And so are a couple of my brothers. I'm a complete blonde. I grew up, was my hair was platinum blonde. I have different eyes. Um, uh, nobody has my eye color. I have gray eyes. Nobody in my entire family has my eye color. I asked my mom when I was younger, what's going on? Why are my eyes so different from everybody else? Oh, you have my mom's eyes. No, I didn't. Her mom did not have my eyes. So anyway, I make my wish and I, I just, I need the universe to help me here. I, I need to heal and I need to just move on. I'm 50. It's a big birthday and I, I need to get through this. So I make the wish. I don't tell anybody. And so then I get to the part of how I found out I was an MPE. <laughs> so I make my wish in 2017 and May. Of 2018, my wife, um, she ordered uh, two DNA tests from Ancestry six months after my birthday and for our 25th anniversary. So she ordered it for our 25th anniversary. I never even knew she was going to order these. She was actually ordering hers to confirm her father. So her BCF is not her father. She's known this, though, since she was 17. Her mother, her mother told her. And um, so she was confirming, she wanted to finally confirm by a DNA test that the man that she believed was her father, not her BCF, the man that her mother told her was her father was. So I was all for it. I was like, of course, you gotta, we gotta figure this out. You gotta get this done. <clears throat> and also really quickly, my mom, my mom knew that my wife was an MPE. She knew the pain that Kate went through. She knew all of that. She knew Kate for 20-something years before she passed away, my mom. So she knew the deep pain that Kate has been in over the NP. So she allowed me to have the same experience, though, but even worse, because at least Kate was able to be told by her mother, even though, you know, at 17. So I procrastinated a week. So Katie uh, spit in the tube, sent it in. I progressed it a week and as she started getting very excited, 
her, uh, she was getting email or, you know, the emails from ancestry. So once the, uh, I saw that I was like, oh gosh, I got to get going here. So believe it or not on my anniversary on May 14th, 2018, I spit in that tube. So I was about a week behind her and hers came in about a week before me. So we were able to confirm, she confirmed right away, uh, that her father, her biological father was the man that her mother told her with the ethnic group. She was Norwegian, Italian, just like her mother said, and she was um, matched up to his cousin. So we knew immediately this was it. I never was on that site uh, prior to this, so I didn't know how it worked. But in the week that she received her results and from the week I did, I became an expert at it for her. I knew what stem organs were. I understood the matches. I understood everything right away. I knew what the um, relationships were, paternal and maternal, because we split them so you know so quickly with for hers. I was very excited to see mine. I was like, oh gosh, oh this is gonna be great. I I actually didn't realize all of the matches that come through. I thought, oh okay, well this is just fantastic. You know, I can't wait. So June third. <laughs> June 3rd, 2018, uh, my results came in. It was a Sunday and I know exactly where I was. Um, came in, we're at home. I said, Oh, it's here. I'm so excited. And I opened it up and it goes right to the, you know, the ethnicity. And, um, and it, I knew right away, uh, not based on the, ethnic groups in ways, but based on villages in ways and, and cities where these people told me they came from. And I knew there was something skewed, but it, it, it didn't really say too much because I was Irish, just like I thought, you know, uh, and I was supposed to be half Irish, half Eastern European. And that Eastern European was Czech, Czechoslovakian, Bohemian. My whole life, it's what I, the foods I ate, the, the culture I grew up with, and so the Irish came, it didn't go to birth certificates village, uh, the, where his father, uh, he was first generation here from Ireland. So it didn't go to Donegal. It didn't go to Kilcar. Um, it, but it went to Southern Ireland. I was like, okay, well, you know, they could move, they could, whatever. There's generations of this DNA. That's not the biggest of deals at all. I'm still the percentage of Irish I thought I was going to be. So a little higher. But then the Eastern European uh, got me confused because it did not go to Czechoslovakia at all. It went to uh, the Ukraine and it went to Lviv and Odessa. And and I was like, well, there's no way we're Ukrainian. I, I know exactly where these people are born and they just came over in the early, you know, 1900. There's, uh, it's not like eight generations ago. I know exactly where they came from in Czechoslovakia on both sides. But I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe they're Ukrainian. And it also, it came up with a percentage of Ashkenazi Jewish. And I was like, okay, well, Eastern European, Eastern European. Okay. Not too flabbergasted by those results. So, but was immediately thought, okay, something's weird. But within minutes, I went to the matches and my mom's brother was my highest match. And I knew that. I knew his name. I saw it right away. Uh, but the second woman who was up there was a stranger. Uh, it was some name I never saw before. And my first words uh, when I saw the matches was, who is Carol Stewart? Who is this person? She was between my highest match, my 
mother, sister, I mean, excuse me, brother, and then her, and then my mom's two other sisters, which she was in between. And it made, and I knew it wasn't birth certificates, sisters. They were both passed. They were older than Carol, who had a tree, thank God, a small little tree she had on her, on her, um, on her profile. So I knew what age she was. Um, I knew how many brothers she had and uh, one, (laughs) she only had one brother. And so I knew pretty quickly something was going on. Tell you the truth, my mind, my mind, it's amazing what the mind does. My mind went to denial just for a little while, for a couple of days, not too long. And it didn't go into denial. It actually went into, okay, I need to figure out all scenarios here to make sure that the worst case scenario is that my mother has just lied to me for 50 years and allowed a man to treat me like this because of her own shame and, and her own lies. So I, I was like, oh, wait, wait. So I had to make sure birth certificate father was not adopted because he could have been. So I hurried up in Illinois. You can, um, you know, reach out and I reached out. Nope. He's not adopted. Okay. So only other scenario is. Uh, this woman, Carol's brother is my father. And based on all the matches, everything I can see, we match me, Carol and I match both sides. So I know she's my hundred percent aunt. And uh, so that's when I realized 99% sure this birth certificate father, this nightmare in my life is not my father, most likely. So I reached out to my second oldest sibling um, and asked him, I I didn't tell him directly. I just said, there's something going on on the paternal side. I did tell him that, Um, but we didn't know the paternal side. So they were either in Ireland or we just didn't know him. I told him something was going on and can you please do the DNA test for me? Um, I need to figure it out because I'm not matching to any of the surnames but I didn't know if I would anyway, because I just didn't know that side of the family. So he was interested in it and he spit in the tube and unfortunately it was lost. And then we had to do it again. And, uh, and then, so anyway, he spit in the tube and then he, his results came back. Um, ironically on birth certificate father's, uh, BCF's birthday, first one that he was dead, came back in the morning on his birthday and that he was my half brother. So I knew then at this point, um, that my mom lied to me my whole life. And allowed a man to abuse me horrifically my whole life because of her own shame. That's how I found out. And uh, I was stunned, believe it or not, even though you feel like you know, but then when they lie to you your whole life and you can't fathom ever doing that to another human being. When I articulated on my birthday, okay, I begged this woman, there's no way. You know, there, there's no way he's not my father. I just have to accept it. This is what my own father did to me. I have to move on and I have to heal from this and I got to just accept it. Um, and then I realized that it was all, it was all a lie. It was all a lie. She did lie to me 50 years and she did allow him to do what he did. And she never stopped him. She never, you know, she would yell at him, but it, I mean, she couldn't stop this. I mean, he was a madman. I'm excited though. Cause now I say, okay. He's not related to me. Thank God I'm not related to this monster man. Yeah. So now I'm going to I'm going to meet my real father. Thank God. I'm going to re- meet this man that I know, my biological father that I know I'm exactly alike because I'm nothing like these people that I have been around forever. Nothing. 
I mean, absolutely nothing. And um, I mean, different interests, everything, Lily. It's just, it's amazing. It was like an alien growing up. I mean, it was, in, it, it was insane. So I was like, oh, okay, finally, finally, I am so excited that I'm going to finally get some answers in the truth. But unfortunately, you know, when I found out on June 3rd, I am a detective and I, I went online and I was able to see Carol's mother, who I look exactly like in a yearbook picture. I was stunned. I was like, oh my God, I'm looking at myself at 14. I cannot believe it. She is, she's definitely my grandmother. And then I saw a picture of my father, my bio father. I was stunned. He was 14 years old in his freshman year of high school. And I saw a yearbook picture and I couldn't believe it. I I actually couldn't even really look at it. I uh, for the first day or two, I was like, oh, I took my breath away. Uh, I, I looked exactly like him. I mean, everything, everything up like him. So I was excited. And unfortunately, though, when <clears throat> you know you have the internet right there, and and um, you know this is the hardest part. Of, <clears throat> excuse me, my story. Even though the the child abuse is horrific. The worst part of the whole story, Lily, is that uh, unfortunately, you know, I found out that he that he did die. He was gone. He died um, in 2008. So I, uh, I, yeah, I didn't find out until 10 years after he died. So, but my mother, the classy act she is, allowed me to, uh, you know, find all this out, and she allowed me to find out my own father was dead from the internet. You know, that's how I found it. I found his uh, obit his small obit that they put in the paper and, uh, and some other things, you know, uh, and that he was gone. I couldn't ask him anything or even meet him because he was, he was dead. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, all, all three of them were, uh, dead by the time I figured, you know, figured out the truth. The other two, I don't really, you know, it's my mom was a narcissist and so she would have denied it. And I don't know how much more pain that would have been for me because there's no way, even with science, that I believe she would have told the truth. And she probably would have had the whole family turn on me and knowing my mom. So part of me feels like I'm okay with her not being there and getting answers from her because I don't think I would ever have gotten the truth ever from her. Now with PCF, if I could have got my hands on that man for five minutes, just five minutes, just to tell him what a horrific human being he is. I'm not asking him to be father of the year to a child that's not his, but to do what he did to me my whole life because my mother cheated on him and had a child with another man. It was so outrageous. And um, I would have loved to have confronted him, but un- unfortunately he was gone. And like I said, my, uh, my, my father is, is, you know, he was gone also. So I didn't really have anybody to, to get the answers from. So I, 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 I reached out to my mom's brother and he uh, was no help. He said he was busy and he had no idea, but you know, no idea, even though I, I, I know he was lying. He did know. So I, I let it go. I just was like, okay. <clears throat> and he told me to reach out to my mom's only remaining sibling left, her younger sister. The one who has been, unfortunately, almost like BCF, you know, as abusive, uh, blamed me for, I believe, my mom's cheating, looked at me different my whole life, really abusive to me, uh, horrifically homophobic, and now I have to deal with this woman. So uh, I dreaded it, but I did call her. 
And um, I knew my dad's name, you know, Peter, Peter Ford is my biological father's name. So I, I knew his name. I knew a lot about him. I did a lot of research on the internet. So, um, but I didn't know how they were connected. I just didn't know, you know, at that point because he was gone. <clears throat> so I called her and I said, you know, I did the DNA on Ancestry. John BCF is not my father. And she said, yeah, I know it's Pete Ford. <laughs> and I said, okay. Yeah. And she said, yeah, we, everybody knows Cindy. We've known your whole life. And yeah, she said, we've been taught, we've been, and I said, and she said, they, they had an affair and my mom, they worked together. My mom was 34 and he was 21 <laughs> and uh, he was single. And, um, and my mom had five children and a husband. And uh, they had uh, about a three to four year affair. And she said uh, that my mom was the happiest she ever saw her in her life with him and that she was giddy with him. And it was the love of her life. <laughs> but she allowed his child to be treated like this. I, I, it's just unbelievable. So, but I got my answers from them. I knew it was now in a relationship because I was afraid that it was an assault, you know, at first. I didn't know, you know, he was so much younger than her. So, but now I, I got that truth from her. And so I said, okay, I didn't want to be on the phone with her long. I said, okay, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm hanging up. And uh, <clears throat> I said, okay. And then she says, well, wait, there's one more thing. <laughs> I said, okay. <sighs> I, I wasn't sure what she was going to say. I, I thought, I said, my one cousin doesn't look like my, her father or anybody. And I said, well, is Kath, you know, is Kath not his? And she said, no, it's your brother's. I said, what? I, and she said, no, it's your twin brothers. The one, you know, they're 10 years older than me. She said, there, there's a rumor. My father told me that they're not his kids either. I, I was stunned. I said, you got it. You're telling me that these two men, uh, these, these two men that were born 10 years before me might not be his children either. And she said, yeah, that's, that's what everybody's been saying for, 10, uh, for 60 years. So now they're 60, I'm 50 and um, they're twins, but they look nothing like each other. They're, you know, they're not identical. They're fraternal. So, and um, with the chaos with um, every, you know, unfortunately with uh, the parents, uh, BCF and the mom dying, there was chaos in our family. Uh, there was a lot of uh, drama, a lot of uh, just stuff going on. And I, I wasn't seeing these uh, brothers a lot. I just didn't want this burden on me, but uh, there was no way I was going to sit there and allow this, them not to know. So I I went to them, uh, both of them, uh, probably about a month later, a couple weeks later, and told them uh, what she said and that if they wanted to know that they could do a DNA test and it would tell them, you know, if if they were or not. And one of them wanted to know right away. And the other one said he did, but he he didn't really want to know. But the one did right away. I helped him. I got the DNA test from Ancestry, and we um, he spit in the tube. The first results were not good, so he had to spit in the tube again. And so it took forever, and uh, it came back, and they are his kids. So, mm. yeah, they both are his children, both of them. And so. I was just flabbergasted at that news, but 
all of um, my sister's children have taken the uh, ancestry and they are his children. Uh, she, you know, she's his child too. And my uh, other brother's uh, children have taken it and they are also uh, his children. So I'm the only one that's not out of the six. It just has shaken everybody to its core. They were stunned. My siblings were that I wasn't his child. When my brother, really quickly, when my brother, when he received the results, yeah, I was went over to his house. He doesn't live too far away from me. And because uh, he said the results are in, he looked at it. He had no idea what was going on. And I did. I knew exactly what was going on right away. I got in my car. I went to his house. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, bro, let's do a shot of tequila. I'm shaking. Mm-hmm. I never hardly even drink at all. And I was just like, dude, let's get the tequila. He's like, what? And I said, yeah. Uh, I said, we, I got to tell you something. And so I said, you know, John PCF is not my father. I said, and he's and his very first words, Willie uh, Lily, were, um, "Why? We know why now. We know why. That's why." And it was like, "Oh my God, that's why." I mean, it was that was his very first words, and pretty much everybody that I've told, it's either now we know why, or now it all makes sense. But I know that might be the case, but it, but I had to live through all that, you know. And so it's like, I had to walk through life like that my whole life. And, and, and especially the one thing that really is so painful is that she, um, that instinctually I knew that there was no way he was my father. He, this family gossiped and, and said, but there, not a peep came out of anybody. No, no one even came close to telling me the truth ever. And they all knew and they all talked about, it. not all of them. My siblings didn't know. My younger cousins didn't know, but a segment of my family, my mom's oldest sister, she knew all her children knew her, their children's children knew. So, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. But she allowed this to happen because of her own shame. It it was just, it was absolutely devastating. So, you know, and then not meeting him, but, you know, it's been really tough since I found out. But there's two things I kind of wanted to say there in regards to what happened in my life since I found out, you know, it's it's family-wise and then there's personal-wise. So family-wise, you know, it's not been easy. These, some of these 90% of these, these guys, they, they cannot give this sympathy, empathy, compassion that you want. I don't believe I ever even got a sorry. I'm so sorry what you went through. Uh, a lot of them are now looking at how they were and what, what you know, so it, it's like lost over me. And some of them want to defend my mom. And it's like, oh my God, she's dead. Mm-hmm. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead. I mean, my mom, knew she made a lot of mistakes. So she really tried with grandchildren. So she got them full force and she was a good grandmother. She, those were her second chances, her last, you know, last chance to be. So she, she tried, but to have them say that it's just like flabbergasting. It's like, what, you know, you know, she had an affair. She, she, you know what she did with me. Now my twin brothers, 10 years older, uh, set up our whole family. This man was enraged his whole life. I mean, if the truth could have just been told, there would have been so many different, uh, the whole the whole life, uh, our whole lives could have been so different if we would have just known that truth. Plus, I was so mentally, emotionally, psychologically abused by this lie, either by him or the lie itself, that I was unmoored 
my entire life. I could never look in the mirror until I was, until I met my biological father's sister. The minute I saw her, oh, it was the first time I ever looked at, saw anybody in my entire life. I look like exactly like them. And I have the same eyes. They all, we all have the same eyes, same body type. I meet her. I could not believe what that did for me. So I, I was, I wasn't confused anymore. I was, I wasn't unsettled. I, I was able to look in the mirror for the first time in 50 years and see a reflection back at me because I was able to see photos of him, see his sisters. And it has been unbelievable to see myself in some other human being. The genetic connection is so strong. It's primal. And when these, in my case, this woman lies and does this to her own child, it is, it's unethical, it's immoral, and it's, it's just wrong. And I wish we would have had a different system in place in regards to birth certificates. So DNA tests are taken. I mean, we have the capability to do that now. I, I hope and pray some way we could start to change things in how this is done because there is an innate primal need to know where you come from, no matter the scenario, they're dead, blah, blah, blah. They're, and, or if they reject you because I've gotten, you know, he only has two siblings one, the one has no children and the other one has two children. So I have two cousins. She was, and her two children left everything by him, um, a substantial amount of money. Not that I care about that at all. Uh, it's really the photos, his personal effects, anything from him. And they, um, they don't want anything to do with me. They've rejected me completely. So, um, it's not like, you know, I get a hey, hurrah and I can, you know, get, connect with these people because, um, they just don't have an interest. And I, I don't know if it's the guilt. Uh, I don't know. Um, and, and, and they did at first in, in, in the one, it was, it was like pulling teeth. She really was never down with it. The one with the kids. I only met the kids once. It took them uh, about seven months to meet me. Uh, they never reached out to me again. They were, like I said, the, the one has a, a suitcase. My bio dad traveled the world. He has all these slides and um, just pictures of him all over the world. He went to like 300 countries. And I, I just wanted to get that, make copies of it and see where he traveled. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and they just won't, they, they just won't. Mm. Yeah. It's just really, really sad. But his other sister were trying. Um, I look just like her, exactly like her. You know, but they had their stuff. So, you know, and I'm coming in uh, 50 years later. So it's not easy, but I'm going to put in the effort with her. I really want to, but I got to have somebody reciprocate. And, and and she's trying, but it's not easy to, to to start a relationship with your own family at 50. But they were able to give me some health history, which is great um, because everybody is dead. And but I did want to tell my fellow NPs something that, you know, that have a scenario like mine where you don't get any answers because everybody, you know, is dead. Um, in regards to health history, what I did is I went on Ancestry and I just built the most incredible tree based on my DNA. So I built all my team, all my tree based on my real DNA, my biological family. And I ordered and was able to get death certificates and 
or they were already up there on some parts of the, you know, family, but in his family, I, I ordered his death certificate right away. I wanted to know how he died even before I, I had contact with his family. So I was able to do that. I've ordered them for his father. Um, I got his mother. So right there can tell you a lot of health history, even though it's hard to get it like that. There are ways um, to try to see patterns in your family, um, you know, and then uh, unfortunately there aren't, you know, there's current things. I, I had a lumpectomy that my aunt had, my grandmother had, and my great grandmother had. No one in my, my mom's family ever had any issues with that kind of thing ever. I had, um, you know, all kinds of different health issues throughout my life um, that I, uh, that were different. So, but that is a way to help yourself to build that tree based on your DNA, get those documents in there, see what these cause of deaths are if you can. And um, if you don't have any options, that is a small way to help yourself, you know, try to get as many, as much information as you can. Um, and then the personally part, I always say, you know, Oh, one more thing in regards to family. So DNA is really strong. I mean, really strong. I, my mom has a huge family and, I would say 80% of my matches go right to his family. I mean, I probably have 20,000 matches and 15,000 go right to him. I mean, I just follow his line. I follow all his lines. But there was a particular, my great-grandmother, his grandmother, that I had so many uh, DNA matches to. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And I felt this connection to this woman. Uh, once I saw her picture, I, I, I couldn't believe it. But it was particularly her mother. Her mother, I look just like. And I was like, there's something here. There's this connection. I've got to, and it took me a year. It took me a year to figure out this lady. I kept on saying, who is this woman? Mary Ellen Scully, who is this woman? I, I'm so much like her. Blah, 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 blah. So I find out that um, through my aunt that I'm not sure if you're familiar, but Chicago, it, you know, we had that great uh, fire in 1871. We had yes. the, yeah. And Mrs. O'Leary, you know, was blamed for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, she's she's the woman who I was so uh, attached to. And I, I just couldn't believe, I, I need to know this woman. That's her grandmother. And she raised the woman I was looking at. So Mrs. O'Leary and the trauma that she actually went through and, and, and what I found out after, you know, I finally found her. I, uh, you know, then that, that, and then my aunt actually knew, she said, well, I think she's, I think, you know, Nana, this is Nana Brahman. I think she's an O'Leary, but throughout family history, we lost it. And she is an indeed O'Leary. She is a, the great granddaughter, or excuse me, the granddaughter of Mrs. O'Leary. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was incredible to have this connection. But then I started getting into <clears throat> what actually happened to them and what happened after that fire and Oh my God, Lily, I don't know if that generational trauma, what happened to those poor people and the stereotypes and how they were treated and then the consequences of those actions onto my grand, my other, you know, with their children, how much that affected what I'm going through today on that generational trauma. And it was unbelievable. So, and really quickly, one more thing. I, I started to build everything online, find your grave. I put everything in. I, I, I did everything. I was on ancestry. I'm on all the websites, heritage and, and 23 and me, everything. And so I was starting to fill in all this data online. I built all the trees and we had our uh, 150th anniversary last year of the Chicago fire and the Chicago Tribune actually reached out to me and they are the paper here in Chicago. And I was in South Florida. I'm down there uh, 
anyway, I'm down there quite a bit. So I'm in South Florida. They call me. He gets my number off the internet and he said, I um, would like to interview. Uh, I know you're a descendant of Mrs. O'Leary. I was stunned. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Okay. And so then I had to make a decision. You know, what do I tell? I, you know, I got to tell this guy, you know, how I came about this. I'm not going to pretend that I grew up with these people and I know that because I didn't. So I, I'm not ashamed of the truth. The truth is the truth. It is what it is. So I actually, you know, told them the story. You know, I found out that I, you know, my dad and, you know, Pete Ford's my father. And I found out at 50, I told him, he actually, I'm going to, I'd like to send it to you. Um, He actually wrote a big thing about NPEs and DNA story in regards to the descendants. Yeah. Descendants of Mrs. O'Leary. So we're a big part of that story. Um, and, um, which I'm really proud of because it's not easy story sometimes to tell people and people need to have more empathy and decency for people like us. And so I felt like that was maybe an avenue that we can get our story out. So people know that we're everywhere and every class, every gender, every culture, we're just everywhere. And these kind of lies and this kind of destruction that you do to people, you know, has to end. So, but mm. I, I'd like to send you the story if you're interested. Yeah, yeah it's a cool story. I so, will put it in the, I'll put the link in the show dis- description. And it's, and this came about because you are like, kind of, are you the, the great granddaughter of Mrs. O'Leary? Yeah, I am. I am. The, I'm actually third, uh, third or fourth. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I am the great, great. Yep. And I look exactly like this line and it's unbelievable. I have more matches going to this line than anything. And you know, looking back, I mean, uh, genetically and instinctually, I-, I felt like I I knew something my whole life in regards to so many uh, differences and and what happened to some of these people in my tree, and that I felt these things. And I know it sounds out there, but it's it is the truth. You know, I I yeah, and it's just amazing then to get this validation. And that's what I was going to say after finding out personally to get the validation to know you were instinctually you knew your whole life and that you were lied to does give you something that uh, gives me a, a sense of peace that I will, that, you know, uh, that's just incredible. You know, uh, it's the, what I always say, it's the hardest, worst, most painful event I ever went through in my life. I actually cried when I finally met my biological aunt, when I finally was able to look at somebody with my same eyes, I literally cried for three months straight from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed. That was after the anger. Then I cried. Then the anger came back. Then the bargaining. bargaining. And now, you know, I'm finally uh, at acceptance and I have been and, and trying to heal. And I, I did want to say, you know, forgiveness. Uh, sometimes things are unforgivable and that's not a reflection on you. For you to accept what they did to you, is the first step. Sometimes forgiveness is not there. You don't have to, you don't have to do that to yourself. Oh, I want to forgive. I want to just accept what they did to you. Have can try to have compassion and all of that healing will come about. But to really, oh, I got to forgive. I got, no, no, I, I, I don't have to forgive BCF for what he did to me. It's unforgivable. So I have to accept what he did, how it changed me, how I felt about myself and how I behave in the, you know, how I behaved um, but we're strong. We're resilient. I went through hell and I feel incredibly uh, grateful that I now know the truth and that, um, that, you know, I never let him, 
he, it always seemed like BCF wanted to just, he was jealous of who I was. I was the only one that went to college. I had this career that was different. He always just seemed to want to make me hate myself. And it was like, dude, that's not happening. I don't care. And so I'm so grateful for my genetics because uh, this beautiful man that I came from, you know, Pete, who I will never meet, who his sister said, "You, oh my God, you're a female version of this man, which I know I am, um, you know, gives me the strength and always gave me the strength to be a strong human, even though I didn't, I shouldn't have had to go through this all. So, um, you know, uh, it does give you, uh, the truth does set you free, no matter how painful. And the rejection from these people is so difficult and so hard. But you have to wonder, you have to really think, you know, th- they might be going through things. They might come around. They might not. Blah, blah, blah. And if they don't come around, you might just be better off without them. You know, uh, they could be, they could have personality disorder. They can have, they got, you know, you just might be, you got to just grab the closest people, the most loving people that you have in your life. And that's who you got to stick with. Keep your door open if that's what you want. But, you know, the rejection is not personal. And that's what I've learned. It, my aunt not wanting any contact with me and her kids. Um, I, I would take it personal. And I, I mean, I struggle sometimes and I feel like it is, but. It, it's not. It has way more to say about them than it does me. All I want is a couple pictures, you know, and some, maybe some, you know, just to be around, have a have a barbecue, drink, whatever, just hang out. And that uh, they can't even give that, you know, um, says a lot more about them than it says about me. So, no. so True. that's it. <laughs> that's my story. Cindy, thank <laughs> you. I'm uh, listening to the horrific abuse you suffered your yeah. entire life from your. Oh, birth certificate father. That's that's hard stuff. It um, is. I appreciate it, Lily. Oh, thank you for sharing that with me. I know people want to probably reach out to you. Is that something that you would be willing to do if people wanted to contact you? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm not on social media, so I would love anybody who wants to contact. I'll help with anything with the tree. Just to even go out. I'm in Chicago land area. I've actually never met another NPE other than my partner who I'm with. And then um, you, Lily, you're the very first one that I've ever talked to. So uh, I would be thrilled to uh, have anybody contact me. Oh, thank you for being willing to do that. There's always people that want to reach out to guests. Oh, yeah. Okay. How could they do that? They can email me at 67. So it's the number 67 Irish Ford at gmail.com. Oh, you you honored your uh, surname. I did indeed. Or, or, believe or me. Should have been. Yep. Yes, I believe me. I'm I'm close to changing this name <laughs> to to the surname. I would like to have his last name, uh, but I know that what that would cause. But it's my life now, so I might do it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being willing to share all this today. Oh, you're I had welcome. A question: You said you've you access some high school yearbook photos. How oh yeah. I'm just kind of curious if I could do that with my oh, you sure? with my uh, biological father. How did you do that? Yeah, what you do is go into Ancestry and put in bio uh, dad's name, uh, put in his particulars, and then search. And you can go right to photos and yearbooks if you are, are paying for the service, uh, you know, the minimal one. And uh, you should be able to help come right up wherever, uh, if he grew up in you know Minnesota, whatever. They yeah. might have... They might, if it's common name, you might have three or four different, you know, but it should come up. They've released a lot of yearbooks. So my, um, my 
biological grandmother was born in 1919. I actually got this photo from like the 1930s. And then bio dad was from the 50s and 60s when he was growing up. So, but there is a lot of um, the yearbook pictures you can definitely get. Mm. Okay. And you, you pay for some, like, I pay for the, yeah, the basic service just because, you know, that was all I had, you know, I didn't have, yeah, I didn't, everybody's dead. So I didn't have, you know, um, you know, and my aunts have tried the one aunt told me, uh, you know, there was, they, they, they knew birth certificate father. He came over like a raging maniac over to bio dad's house and to confront him to stop this affair. So there were a lot of things I found out from them, which was helpful. I, the only hard part is Lily. I don't know if bio dad ever, I'm pretty sure he knew I was his child, but I'll never know. Cause I can never ask him. So I know. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's gone now. Yeah. It oh, makes it so hard. It does. Thank you for going through all this, rethinking about it, sharing it with me. I, I really appreciate the time you set aside for me today. Oh, I appreciate all your hard work. Like I said, thank you so much. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.